This is the Fitness Boot Camp Inner Circle Podcast with Georgette Pan and Jesse Stoddard. Hey, all right. Uh, welcome back. We're excited to be here today, and um, I've got we've got a special uh, special guest on the phone with us as well on the podcast. And of course, Georgette and I are just back doing more boot camp stuff, ready to talk to you guys about how to improve your business. And if you're brand new to this, uh, we're a part of the Fitness Bootcamp Inner Circle and the uh, fitnessbootcampclub.com, which is in a fantastic blog with tons of free information. And, and um, if you don't like this podcast, well, that's too bad because it's free. And so there's not much to complain <laughs> about. We're going to give you as much of our value as we can out of our absolutely free podcast. And uh, today on the line, um, I've got uh, uh, a really great a special guest, uh, uh, Brian Calakay, and he is uh, the owner and, and the creator of uh, Turbulence Training Bootcamp Games, among other things. And um, actually, um, if you can, Brian, I would love it if you could maybe just tell us a little bit more about who you are and, um, like, who is Brian and what does he do? And um, maybe we can just start there and, and let us know how you got started in fitness and uh, what, what kind of, what's your background? Yeah, well, I actually, I'm trying to go for the title of shortest boot camp owner in the industry, but I don't think I can get it. I think Cable might have me on that one. But, uh, yeah, I'm usually the short guy who MCs the TT, uh, the Turbulence Training events. Um, my rival, Josh Carter, is a good friend of mine. But those guys are actually the reasons why I got started. I actually come from a martial arts background. I was a nationally sponsored uh, team. I was a nationally ranked sport martial arts competitor. And uh, I taught for a while. I had my own school. And after a while, I just I kind of felt like an underpaid babysitter. You know, like his, people, like, drag their kids in. They're like, they have no discipline. Fix them. And they expect <laughs> us to, like, fix them in, like, you know, three hours a week, you know. And, and uh, it just it wasn't my thing after a while. I enjoyed helping people, but it just started getting a little ridiculous. So I moved out to California for a while and um, pursued some stuff out there with the special effects industry with makeup and stuff. I had some hooks in, hooks in with that, uh, did some martial arts stuff, training, whatever, and uh, it just wasn't my thing. You know, I was, I was 18, 19 at the time, but I had to go try it and see if I wanted to go on that path. And I came home and kind of hit a rock bottom, and uh, I was working out at a gym at the time, a big box gym, which will remain nameless because I hate my guts right now. And um, <laughs> I was working out today. You know what I say, if at least five people don't hate you, you're not successful enough. But uh, but anyway, so I, I started working out there, and the owner at the time was like, hey, I know you do martial arts. You ever thought about doing a kickboxing class? I said, sure. You know, I'm certified to teach it. So I started teaching kickboxing. I ended up getting into personal training from kickboxing because I saw the potential to help adults, people who actually wanted help. Um, and I was really pumped about that. And uh, so I ended up becoming a personal trainer did group personal training sessions, kind of similar to boot camps, just on a smaller level. Uh, started, I got plugged into the Bedros and Craig network. That's why I said those guys are kind of the reason why I'm here. Um, I, I ended up actually getting plugged into Craig from Bedros, from one of Bedros' emails. Showed up to the first Turbulence Training Summit. I drank this awesome-tasting Kool-Aid, and I never looked back. And, uh, hmm. you know, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. they I did their mastermind for a while. I, I did the info product stuff for a while, and... Uh, I was always just passionate about offline businesses, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a lot of fun helping people online, you know, making right. a fitness product and, 
you know, hey, so-and-so used my product, my Get Lean in 17 product, and they lost, you know, 20 pounds or whatever. That's great. But I just, there was something about helping other fitness professionals because it's like if I help one of them, they help 200 other people. It was just a really big, big spectrum. Now, the market itself isn't a great market. If you're thinking about making a FitPro product, uh, (laughs) just don't. Fuck for that Uh, Just don't. And George Edel, back me up on that. Just don't. Uh, it is better to make end-user products, but in my case, like, my passion is my offline business. Uh, right. I love my boot camp. It's very successful. We have over 200-some people there. Uh, we rock it. Our results are huge. We have this 10,000-pound mission where we're helping Lapeer County, who's over 10,000 pounds before 2016. It's just it's a big, big thing, and uh, I find it a lot more satisfying, I guess, to kind of be the local fitness celebrity than it is like the next Mike Chang. That's just really not my thing, and Mike's a great guy by all means, but... Uh, I, I'm really digging the, the boot camp stuff, and that's really where my passion's been. And don't get me wrong, you know, we still do stuff online, and I still uh, I still make my programs here and there to help people lose fat online, and I enjoy that as well. But uh, my, my boot camp is my family, and they're my first priority, and I think you guys both can agree with me on that one. Yeah, I actually can because that's, um, you know, that's why we all got started here. You know, local we were local small business owners. Yep. We tried to, you know, we were trying to help people with with our fitness and nutrition knowledge. So, yeah, I yep. certainly can, and, and and it really is hard to, uh, you know, make a make a great living online. Now, you know, it's, yeah, there's it's just a, so much. You know, it's kind of like oh, you can you have to be really really good at what you do to make it online, and, and it's great. I mean, like I said, I've made a successful living offline for a while before my facility was going. That was my paycheck with my online stuff. And uh, and it works, and we helped a lot of people all over the world. I still get basic messages from people that that uh, love working out with me on their TV at home and stuff, and it's cool and it's very rewarding. Uh, but it's just I guess I'm biased because it's like you grow up in a certain area, you know that area needs help with fitness, and uh, and you want to extend your helping hand, and uh, that's definitely kind of the path I've taken, especially over the past few months. Really focused harder on the offline stuff, which goes right into the fitness boot camp games that I created. It was kind of like my tool to we, we did these boot camp games in the beginning and uh, just kind of something to try out to see if people liked them. But I actually ended up getting like 40-some people in after this one, uh, it's like a week of games, two weeks of games. We did this referral contest. We tied into it. I ended up getting like 40-some new clients out of it. It was just nuts. Yeah, and and uh, that's why I kind of felt the need to share it with people because I was like, holy crap, if I did this and I was a newbie in the fitness world at the time, anybody can do this, you know. So it was just a nice little tool to have in the bag. Right, it was, and it's really kind of, um, I, I like the way your uh, games were, I don't let me say structured, because they were kind of not the whole day, uh, perhaps. Right. Perhaps of games, it was it was uh, almost like a finisher, an exercise in disguise. Yeah. yeah, it was a way to end the session on a high note without wasting people's time, because a game's fun in moderation, but you don't want the whole session to be a game. You know, you want, people want their workout. They come to get their workout in and feel like they got a workout in, but a game is a really nice way to kind of uh, get some people to come out of their shell and be more social. And, and like Alan Cosgrove always says, you know, it's about the show. You have to put on the show, and it has to be an experience. And that's just one of those elements that adds to the experience, in my opinion. Right. So. You hear a lot of people say, hey, hey, fun. Fun's not supposed to be one of the, the goals. Uh, I've seen this <laughs> online a couple times, and I think, well, <laughs> all right, fun's not supposed to be one of the goals. Well, yeah, actually it is. Because, you know, 
we're not saying you throw out programming and you throw out good programming and you throw out results. We're saying, you know, it's you need to add all of these elements. Social support is a big thing. Um, you know, fun is a big thing. Yeah. We're not saying you go out there and haphazardly and you just start playing, you know, you know, some kind of bag races or something and and just have fun. We're not at a picnic, but we're right, right. part of the tool. It's part of the whole picture. You just can't break break a piece off and say that's most important. That's well, and most especially hey, hey, because, Brian. like, what's up, buddy? Well, you know what? I, I I love where this is going. You guys are awesome. You're flowing, and and I could almost just hang up right now and let you guys chat for the last, next hour, which is awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I I want to I want to put in for a on. second here. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I know that we have a lot of brand new trainers that listen to this too, or people that want to become trainers. And so I want to back up just for a second, Brian, because you said something really quick that I know there are at least one or two other people are going, what did he just say? You mentioned you went to California, LA, and you got into special effects. And so I yeah. got to ask, what was all that about? And, and then, Dude, and then you know, tell us a little bit about that. But and, and how did that affect your, your showmanship here a little bit with your boot camps yeah, and whatnot? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it had a lot to do with it, Jesse, and it's funny you brought that up because to me, I guess I just, I don't get hung up on it, you know what I mean? Because it was just kind of a brief period of my life, but uh, I was a kid with too many hobbies, man. I, like, I was a magician, which was like a great way to be an icebreaker because you're like a kid approaching an adult, hey, let me show you a card trick. And like, so it made you have social skills really, really fast. That made you become extroverted really fast. Uh, but that kind of led me to my friend I met. I was a magician for a while when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. And uh, I met this guy through a magician friend of mine who happened to be a special effects makeup artist. And this guy's like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to move to L.A. and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be this huge makeup guy out there. And we're like, oh, that's cool. you know. And I was just a good friend of him. He was, a, he was funny as hell, to be honest with you. It's the whole reason why I hung out with him. He was like the funniest guy in it. And uh, he ended up moving out to Los Angeles for real and got into the movies for real. And he, he actually, right now, his company that he owns, uh, him and his other partner, Chris, they're actually doing all the effects for the Teen Wolf series right now. Uh, so these guys wow. are, like, really, really big right now. But I was really lucky because I kind of hit that breaking point in my martial arts career where I wanted something new. And I moved out to Los Angeles um, because they offered me, like, an internship position doing special effects stuff. And, I did haunted house special effects makeup like since I was 16, 15 years old here in Michigan because haunted houses, that's like a big thing, having a fall time in the Midwest. Like we have a great fall, so we do a lot of haunted houses and corn mazes. And, and a lot of people don't realize like a haunted house can pull in $100,000 in a season, you know, for 13 days of being open. You know what I mean? So it, it was a really cool moneymaker. And so that kind of bridged me going into special effects makeup. But, yeah, when I was in there, I got to rub elbows with, you know, lead singer of Power Man 5000, you know, Robert England, the guy that played Freddy Krueger, all these people. And the one thing you realized really quick was these people were always putting on a show for the people around them. They were always being them, their part, you know. And they are their own product in a sense, you know. I met Spider, the lead singer from Power Man 5000, and he just had that rock star mentality, but he was so humble and so grateful for his fans and all these things. And he was very real and genuine, I guess. And right. so the biggest takeaway from that was no matter how big and famous these people were, you realize, you know, no matter how big your business becomes as a fitness professional, no matter how big you are online, even if you're Mike Chang or whatever, and I've met Mike, he's a great guy, and right. they're always 
very genuine. They always genuinely care about their fans or their clients. Right. And they're always genuinely, like, they give a crap. You know what I mean? No matter yeah. how big they are, they don't let their ego, like, become them. And I guess it was the one thing I kind of took away from L.A. that separated the real rock star and movie stars from the wannabes, the people who think they're famous, and the people right. who actually end up making more enemies, is the people who really have made it and the people who really are who they say they are, they right. are really genuinely humble and they really care about others, uh, mm-hmm. no matter how big and famous they are. So I guess that's kind of one of the lessons I took from that was always be genuine, always be yourself, and always care about helping others and paying it back to the others that got you there in the first place. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, so I did that. I did martial arts stunts kind of on the side while I had that internship because some of my um, some of my sport martial art teammates were on a stunt team that did, like, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, Matrix, G.I. Joe, all that stuff. So I wow. tried that, but uh, it just wasn't my thing. I was 19 at the time, and I left home from training every day feeling like I was hit by a bus. Right. And, uh, and I was 19. I was like, it's not going to get any better. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I ended up, I ended up moving home, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of took the fitness thing from there. But I definitely learned a handful of really cool lessons. I have some really cool friends that live in Los Angeles area that I still like to hang out with when I go out there for fitness stuff. So. That's interesting. That's awesome. And, and yeah. when, you, uh, when you were making that transition from, you know, a little bit of showbiz and it sounds like a lot of martial arts, which is, what would you get? Yeah, like, a, are you like a triple black belt or what? what do you, I'm really you do not. Here? We actually had a joke. It's kind of like in fitness, how, how we always joke, the more initials behind your name, the less money you make. It was kind of like <laughs> the same thing in martial arts. It's like the more stripes you had on your black belt, the, the more you would lose and the less famous you actually became in the martial art world. Like, I'm only a second-degree black belt. Uh, and I have a few other belts and some other styles, but mainly a second-degree black belt in Tung Soo, which is a Korean style. And uh, it's funny because all of my, like, fellow competitors, like, the people who are way better than me even, like, they were all maybe first or second-degree black belts, not higher than a third. They just, they trained, and they competed constantly. And that's what got them to the next level was getting better at, you know, competition, essentially outdoing yourself every single competition was what they were doing. Kind of the same what we do in business, right? If you don't kill your own fitness business and make it better each month, your competitors will do it for you. It's kind of the same thing in the martial art world. Uh, so, yeah. in a, in a, if you had to uh, go head-to-head and, and you got in a fight with Craig Ballantyne, who do you think would win? Would you, would you win or would he win? Dude, I would destroy Craig Ballantyne, man. He knows that is the thing. <laughs> He knows that. He's got better biceps than me and a better back, but I got speed and agility over him any day. But, uh, (laughs) no, I love Craig, man. And I seriously mean that word. I love Craig. He is, like, one of the best coaches you could ever have. I mean, he sends me pump up. It's like he knows when I'm having a bad day. He knows when I'm having a bad day because it's like he'll send me this pump up email that just puts me in my zone and brings me back into, like, fire mode, you know. And uh, But he's great. He's, uh, he's a true go-giver. Uh, you know, the whole reason why I have a Mac laptop was because I got coaching from him and I was, you know, we were doing the TT Boot Camp Game products and you knew I was going through some hard times and stuff. And all of a sudden, Christmas Day, uh, a brand-new MacBook Pro shows up on my front step from Craig. Merry Christmas from Craig and Baderops, you know. And it was just like these guys are just, they give and they give and they give. And if I need something, I send him an email and he gives it back. I mean, his transformation he's made in his businesses and him personally, because if you know Craig, he is an awkward dude if you don't know him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is totally different from the emails you read and the person you talk to, you know? 
and uh, he's awkward physically. That's why I would beat him in a fight, and he's awkward socially. <laughs> so he is, uh, but you know, he is one of the best friends I have in the fitness industry, and he's grown so much as an individual. He he is night and day socially to talk to now. Uh, his business, he did a complete 180 with Early to Rise and stuff, and and that company is going places. They're helping people. It's just unreal the figures they play with every day. And uh, he's an inspiration to me. So, yeah, I can give him crap and say I would take him in a fight, and he knows I would. But uh, I'm still trying to catch up to his black belt in fitness business because he's definitely got a master's <laughs> degree in that. So. That's awesome. So, you know, when you uh, uh, when you, you got out of the, the other business and you made the transition into fitness, I'm really a curious person. I like to – some people don't understand, you know, why I ask all these questions, but I like to find out what, how, what makes people tick and what motivates them and what gives them drive. And there's some people out there that, you know, you could give them a, a fitness business, you could hand them over clients, and they would still, they couldn't figure out a way to succeed. And then you've got other trainers who can start with nothing uh, in the middle of nowhere or somewhere like Michigan and, uh, and sure. start their We're own business. And, and <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What what is it that, how did you get started in actually you know, why did you go through that transition to get into fitness? What got, what made you go from, oh, I'm at a big box club and I'm teaching kickboxing, which I can see that transition from martial arts to teaching kickboxing, but yeah. you must have looked at it and went, what am I doing? And then how did you get into the boot camps and what were some of the early mistakes you made or challenges you faced that you had to overcome? Well, I screwed up a lot, and uh, I will tell you that, and I, and I learned that. I got that from Craig, big time, Craig Valentine. He, he posted a challenge. that says, He said, I will always outfail you, so good luck trying to catch up. You know what I mean? And I was like, challenge accepted. I'm going to screw up a ton. And I did. That <laughs> fit tremendously, and it cost me so much money, man. It is not a glorious path to get to where, and I'm still screwing up, and we're still growing. But by all means, uh, the, to get back to your question, the, the transition, it was natural going from the martial arts and the fitness kickboxing, but uh, I guess I tried a handful of other jobs, and I just wasn't happy, Jesse. Like, I just wasn't. Uh, when you go from martial arts, which is something that makes people feel happy, you're, you're helping people get better is essentially what you're doing martial arts. You're making them feel safe. You're helping them get fit. You're giving them a peace of mind. You're giving them social support. Uh, you know, it's a community. So you're making people better. And you can't go from a job like martial arts that is making people better, delivering an experience, to selling slippers in the mall. You know what I'm saying? And I did that, and I did that, and I hated it. I loved my boss. He was one of the best bosses ever, one of the greatest guys ever. But I hated the job. And, it's, and it comes down to passion. I wasn't passionate about things that didn't involve helping people. So that's what kind of got me thinking about maybe I should be a personal trainer because I felt, A, that was something missing from my martial arts training, because martial artists, we don't know a damn thing when it comes to fitness. I don't care what they say, they really don't know. Uh, you know, they have you doing plyometrics and stuff that are not good biomechanically. They have injuries coming up from overtraining issues. It's just they really don't know a lot about, you know, fitness. They think they do, but they don't. And so I like that filling in the missing piece of my training of, oh, this is going to help complete my training so I can better, you know, train my body to become a better martial artist. But at the same time, it was a really nice bridge in the fact that I still felt like I was helping people. I still felt like I was making them better, and I was passionate about making people better and helping people. So I think to the, the real answer was I was passionate about helping people, so that's why I took the leap of faith and kind of started doing personal training. And on top of that, I didn't know of any martial arts instructors at the time that were making 40 50 a month 
teaching martial arts, you know. They did it because they loved to do it and they were afraid to charge money, whereas I knew personal trainers who were. So, yeah, in a way it was a little bit about me because it has to be, you know. You have to be able to pay your bills and you have to be able to support a family. And I felt like fitness, it was more realistic to more people wanted fitness not as many people wanted to do martial arts. It's very uncomfortable for people to do martial arts. Whereas fitness, it's still uncomfortable, but it's becoming more socially accepted to get your butt to the gym and actually do something, you know. So I felt like there was potential from an industry standpoint, but most of all, I was just, it felt like a good fit because I still got to help people. Um, But once I got into the big box gym, you know, I was probably the most hated trainer just because I was the most, like, fired up and energetic, if you couldn't tell. I'm an energetic guy. And, uh... (laughs) And, uh, you know, they didn't like that because they weren't. So I was the guy who was out cracking jokes, meeting people, you know, introducing myself, you know, building a relationship to those people. And eventually people were coming to me and leaving other trainers in the gym. So it didn't go over real well with the trainers, but it's not like I was listening to them. It just kind of happened because I was fired up to train them. And uh, and eventually I did the one-on-one stuff. I made a pretty decent leaving, you know. I mean, I was thinking about 42 k a, a, a year, uh, you know, doing – personal training one-on-one style with a few small group training sessions here and there. But uh, it was just time for dollar, I guess, is the problem I had with it. It was time for dollar. If I wasn't working, I wasn't making money. And, you know, some people are okay. Some people, it's wired in them that they need to work, you know, the 40 hours a week to feel like they're fulfilling their life's purpose and they're providing for their family. They need that real job. And a lot of people, that's fine because, you know what, I always need employees and I appreciate people who have that mentality. But it just wasn't for me. I knew there was something better. And, uh, you know, one day I was on Facebook, like everybody in the whole freaking world is, and um, I was like, you know, I'm reading my feed and I'm trying to get my personal training business rolling a little bit better. And uh, I see this ad from this guy giving away this uh, System 9 client attraction thing, and I'm like, what is this scam? You know, if so I click on the ad, I'm like, well, if I click on it, I don't like it. I can always X out, you know. I click on it, and there's this video, and he promises me this stuff for my email address, and I'm like, oh, that's fine. I don't really get a ton of emails at the time anyway, so why not, you know. And uh, so I, I logged in, and I pretty much started my journey down Bedros Koulian's rabbit hole at that point. And, uh, I, you know, I bought System 9, then I bought How to Close Clients, and then I bought the fitness Art of Selling Fitness, and then I bought the fitness studio for me. I mean, I just kept spending more and more and more because this guy's stuff was making me money. And then, you know, he, invite, he, he invited me to the Turbulence Training Summit where I met Craig, and Craig kind of filled in the training questions I had about really what works for fat loss, really what you do for programming, what works and what doesn't. And, uh, and from there, I started applying it to my businesses, and it started growing really fast in the big box gym to the point where I had no more room on the little 12 by 12 floor they gave me. And uh, it was really small and it was dinky. And, and I was just like, and the, the owner kept talking, out, and figure of speech kept talking out of his ass. Hey, I'm going to get you more speech. And yeah, we're going to do this. And, blah, 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 blah. and he just, he was all talking, no work. And so finally I was at a breaking point. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to try to find a building and I'm just going to do it myself. You know, I, I'll train people. I will... Uh, pay the bills, I will market, I will do everything by myself, and we'll grow this place up. And that's what I did. And it worked until you hit about 50 clients. And Georgette will agree with me on that. That's kind of the breaking point. Once you hit about 50 clients, you can no longer do it all by yourself. You just can't. It's too much. Quality starts dropping. Your training, your sleep stops. You stop sleeping, you know, and that's not good as a health professional. And uh, Mm. it was just, I had to employ a staff. 
So I started with trying to find an instructor because that's where I think everybody should start is finding an instructor. You know, I say do it yourself until you hit about 40, 50 people, and then you should have enough money to employ an instructor. Uh, find an instructor or a coach uh, who's very similar to you. Your best place to look is a client, a client who loves you and loves your program, who's got results, and all you have to do is help them get a certification. That's all you have mm-hmm. to do. And they will be your disciple, man. They trust you. They will follow you into Hades because they know your stuff works. And, uh, but that's what we did. And I found a first instructor, and we, we helped them get a certification. And, uh, and it was great, you know, and it was working. But then I realized I hate making phone calls. I hate scheduling appointments. I would rather spend more time marketing, making sure the programming is going well, making sure my clients are getting results. And so then I hired more or less a manager or administrative assistant that did my appointments, that followed up with my clients, that made sure everything was running behind the scenes. And eventually I just kept, you know, whittling away, whittling away. And, uh, and before you knew it, I had too many staff members. I was paying them. They weren't doing a good job. It was horrible. I had a manager who was costing me money. She was letting people slip through the cracks. I mean, I sat down one month and I literally tallied a total of $3,000 of new clients that could have been processed better and signed up that fell through the cracks and I wanted to cry myself to sleep. And I was too afraid to fire these people because they were friends of mine and it was just a nightmare, dude. It was a freaking nightmare. And uh, so I ended up just firing everybody except for my trainer. And I was like, you guys are all gone. I love you guys, but you guys are costing me money and I can't keep this place open. And if we're not open, we can't help people. And I guess the hardest part for me was separating what's best for my business for what's best for me personally. And I think that's the biggest mistake people make when they start hiring a staff is they're so worried about hurting people's feelings that they don't do what's right for their business. And by what's right for the business, I mean what's right for their clients and what's right for their staff's paychecks. You know, if your staff members are screwing up, that's not good for their paychecks. That's definitely not good for the clients, the people paying those paychecks. So you really have to do what's right for your business. So that's kind of... Uh, the thing that I took away from all of it is fire people really fast and hire people really slow and read a lot of Dan Kennedy books because Dan Kennedy, the no, the no BS uh, like series, the no BS time management, no BS management, stuff like that. Dan Kennedy's no BS books, if you're listening, it's called Buy Every Single One of Them. That guy metaphorically makes you grow some balls really quick. You know what I'm saying? You're like, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. He's been there. I need to man up, and I need to take horns of my business, and I need to start being the owner and not the friend. You know what I'm saying? The hey. owner does what's right for the clients and makes sure the staff does what they should be doing. And he's not there to be – you're there to be friendly, but you're there to be a boss. And I guess that was the, the most mistakes I made was from trying to be friends with my staff instead of being their boss and their leader, helping them help my clients better, and helping them become better professionals at what they do. I was too focused on trying to be their friend. And you know what? Real friends, real bosses, they need to tell people what they need to hear sometimes, not what they want to hear. That's what coaches do. That's what we do as personal trainers, right? We tell our clients what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. When they come in, they're like, yeah, I drank my butt off this weekend, and ha, ha, ha. You as a coach go, what are you thinking, dude? You just screwed up a third of your week. It's not worth it, dude. You need to make it up this week, and we need to get you back on pace. That's what you would do as a personal trainer. Well, that's what you need to do as a boss, as the right. owner of a fitness business. You need to tell them what they need to hear. Be nice about it. Don't be a dick about it. But at the same time, you know, be honest with them 
and just tell them as it is, this is what's best for the business. And I think if I would have done that earlier in this journey, uh, I think it would have saved me thousands. I can tell you right now, my facility would have been grossing in over $30,000 a month right now, which is what we're working and we're, we're close to hitting there, but that's what we're getting closer to now. But we would have been there a hell of a lot faster if we would have just, if I would have just manned up, if I would have just told my staff what they needed to hear, fired the people who didn't work out, and just done what was right for my business in the beginning as opposed to making the systems and hoping they were doing the system, which really screwed me up. I had systems, I had marketing, I had everything automated, just like Vader has taught me, but I wasn't following up on my staff and I wasn't getting cutthroat at them enough to make sure they were doing what they should have been doing in the first place. So my advice to anybody getting started is, yes, make systems, yes, hire people, or else you are going to hate life, but really make sure you have checks put into play when you make those systems that checks the end process to make sure it was done efficiently. And that was screwed me up, and that's what cost me a lot of money and a lot of time. I can make more money, guys, but it cost me time. I could have been a year further than what I am now if I would have just done this when I started. So I guess that would be my advice and how I got into it. Yeah, and there's some important thing. You know, there was like a couple of things that you said that just like, boom, stood out. Well, first of all, um, I will just say on a side note that I also did the same thing with the hiring of the first, very first boot camper, you know, to in back in the early 2000s, and she's still with us today. In fact, yeah. just had a baby and came back, is coming back. But um, she, you could tell, you, you know, take somebody under your wing, have them certified and whatever else they need, CPR and all insurance, and then um, kind of like a, an internship, follow you around and, you know, train them to train. And uh, it worked out like a breeze. The other thing that stuck out, because it reminded me of something my father used to say, who was, a you know, an executive, um, don't hire anybody you can't fire. Yes, and, true. And he always said that it was, a you know, I still hear he's he's no longer alive, but I still hear it. I still hear it. Don't hire anybody you can't fire, which was exactly what you were saying. And you know, it's just uh, the systems too. That's the other. The last thing that stuck out was like everybody's always online looking for, you know, kind of in a sense a magic bullet. I need systems. I need systems. I need systems. I need workouts. I need this. I need that. Okay, so you know, even if you had all of that. You could still fail. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. what, it's what you just said, in essence. Yeah, it's, I had thousands of dollars worth of systems and time put yeah. into them, and I made sure they all worked. I did them personally, which I recommend you do every step personally to make sure it does work the way you want it to. Right. But at the end of the day, if you don't have checks put into play where somebody's right. checking the end result, you don't know what's getting done, and people will get lazy. Yeah. It's human nature. Don't say, no, not my staff. No, they all do. All yeah. staff gets lazy. All staff slacks. And if they don't feel like Big Brother's constantly watching and constantly checking processes, they will slack and they will cost you money. It's just the way it is. It's nothing personal, but you need to be real with yourself. People are people, and they're always going to take the easiest way out. Right. It's not the systems and the workouts that do the job. I mean, it's you. So, in other words, it's on you. It's not It is on you. Right. The systems don't do it. Don't do the work. Magic bullet. I think something online, that gets distorted. Because everything yeah, done exactly. for you, done for you, done for you gets distorted. We had that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you still have to do it, though, is the thing. <laughs> What's up, Jeffy? 
done for you, Brian, you know. Did you, okay. Did you ever, uh, yeah, did you ever have to fire that trainer, or was that one, that, that lead trainer still with you even when you had to fire that everybody trainer, else? That trainer's still with me, man. He's been, he's been with me for almost three years now, yeah. Yeah. See, that, that is so powerful, and, and Georgette just backed it up. I feel that I felt the same way. I, I've tried, and I'm sure other people have tried hiring from like Craigslist or, or you know, random recruiting that way, and uh, the best people I ever found were from, you know, homegrown. They were recruiting yep. from within. You were, it, was, it was as if you were raising up leaders from your followers, which for some reason nobody thinks about doing. You know, everybody wants to go and hire a trainer from, you know, the, the big box club, but they bring all their baggage with them, right? I mean, they bring well, they, all their bad they habits. They do. Yeah, it, it is, man. It's like sometimes like hiring a 12-year-old girl, year girl on her period, man. It's like, dear God, what are, what's, like, everything is wrong with you today. Go home, you know? And they do, like you said, they have this baggage, and it's just a nightmare. And, you know, if, you, if you're homegrown yourself, it's done the way you want it to be done. But I think why people veer away from it, Jesse, truthfully, it costs money. You have to invest time. You have to, and time is money, right? And you right. have to invest money in the certifications, and they're this and that if you want to take that route. But I will tell you this. The more you invest in your assets, because that's essentially what a good coach is, it's an asset, the right. more it pays you back in the long run, truthfully. You know, it's a little bit up front, but you, we all on this call, we all run fitness businesses. We know it's about delayed gratification, right? We know we spend money and we invest time today to benefit from it six to eight months, maybe even 12 months down the road. So I guess that should be a red flag if you're listening to this. If you are thinking about running a business or starting this training stuff and you need results now and you need money now, go work for somebody nine to five because it's just not going to happen realistically. Okay? No, like, really. You are right. investing time now to, to – I always – my favorite saying, entrepreneurs, in our case fitness entrepreneurs, we live the life no one wants to for the first three years so we can live the life everybody wishes they could the last three years. You know what I'm saying? Love and it. that's really what it is. I love that. Amen. Because <laughs> it's true. Because, And, you know, I, I think partially, though, with the Internet marketing, we do get off on that tangent. And some, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of responsibility, too, because sometimes we are trying to sell that, you know, be successful, be successful now. But really, you know, the truth is, it really isn't. I mean, it, nothing is overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight, you know, an overnight success. Um, You're right, Georgia. And, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like I had to unprogram myself from that because of all of the emails and all of the marketing that I got pumped with when I was entering this industry, and, and this is probably the same for a lot of people, is they almost program you. It's not that they're fault because it's what sells. And, and the more you sell, the more you help people. I'm fine with selling. But the more you get that message pumped down your throat and pushed into your head, the more you develop this false sense of, why isn't this working fast? Why am I not making money? Like, why didn't I make my first 100K off this launch like so-and-so did? Like, you got to understand, man. Like, so-and-so has been in the industry for six years. That's why they can launch something now, and it makes 100K. It wasn't like that in the beginning. They had to develop that relationship with those people before that ever happened. And I guess we don't see the six-year overnight success story if you get my drift. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. There were six years to get to the point where they could make money overnight like that, but you don't see the first six years of them losing sleep, not making money, sending out emails just to build a relationship, going out, handing out business cards to people every day and not having a single client come in. People don't see the dark side of the success stories. They only see 
oh, my gosh, they made 100 k in one month. Yeah, but that's because they've been failing miserably the past four years at it, you know? Right. They failed enough to learn the lessons to make it faster. And, and I think really that isn't. was like this false hope that was built in my head that I had to unprogram. Yeah, it is. And it really isn't failing. It's actually learning. And it's actually yeah. doing because even when I first started, whether it be online or offline, it's the, the point is you've got to stop looking at everybody else really, and comparing yeah. and competing, and competing being the optimum word because, you know, there was a lot of bigger people working with fitness pros than me back in 2006. There was a couple anyway. And my idea was, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to do my thing. I don't care what anybody does. I don't care if anybody comes out with another boot camp kit. I don't care if anybody comes out with this. I, no looking at the competitors to the sense that, it freaks you out. Now, does that take a little bit of work? Sometimes it does because we're human beings. But the overall picture is I'm just going to do what I'm doing. I don't care if you think it's great, if you think it's going to work or not work. I don't care what you think and what you come up with. I had to keep telling myself that because you're right. It's so programmed into you. Oh, my God, so-and-so came out with another book. Or, you know, that's just, or so-and-so is doing this down the street. Uh-uh. I had to keep bringing myself back to, like, I'm going to light my little corner of the world, my little yep. list at the time, and I'm going to do, just keep doing what I'm doing, whether, you know, Guru Joe thinks it's going to work or it's great, or or he doesn't. Whether the gym right. down the street thinks it's, you know, bull or he doesn't. But, and, and that's hard, you know. It's hard to do for some people, but you really have to do that because... Otherwise, you just lost complete focus of your goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Brian, how did you get into the information marketing thing? Uh, how did that transition happen? Was that early in the game or later after you'd done a lot of training? Or it sounds like you've been doing it a while. Can you give us a little background on the the information marketing side of your business, how that came yeah, about? Yeah, I uh, well, yeah, I have Extreme Results LLC, which is like my offline stuff, and then I have Calico Fitness Systems, which is my uh, my online LLC. And uh, essentially, Pedro sent out an email. They're looking for people with good ideas. You know, they're doing this info mastermind in San Diego. And uh, but before I could go at the time, I had to have a phone call with him and pitch him the idea to see if it was actually a good idea or not. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't blame him. His masterminds are just filled right now. So at this point, even back then, you have to have a filtering process. You know what I'm saying? So I called him and I pitched this idea of I have these boot camp games and uh, it helped me get into my facility at the time, which only had about maybe 60 people, 50 people in it. But the whole reason why I got into that facility is because of these games and the referrals that are generated, you know, with the contests and stuff. And uh, so he loved that idea. He brought me in and uh, I pitched him the idea. And uh, they actually ended up asking me to become part of uh, Bedros and Craig of a publishing company called Ruckus. And so I ended up being part of Ruckus, uh, which was really cool because essentially, you know, they would help pretty much mentor me and guide me. And uh, they would help, you know, pay for the expenses of my programs and, you know, all this stuff. And we just did a profit sharing, you know, once the profit came in. So for me, having nothing, that was a really sweet option of somebody who had the biggest list in the industry saying, I'm going to help you and I'm going to promote you. You just have to follow my instructions and do the work. And I'm like, sweet, I'm down with that, you know. Right. And uh, so we did that, and uh, and it went well. I mean, we, we made the product in essentially a week. 
Um, yeah. We built a website in a week. We did the copy during that week, and uh, and it worked really, really well. You know, having them to coach me, especially on the sales copy end of it, because truthfully, good sales copy is make or break. It doesn't matter if you're online or offline. Get really good at writing sales copy. Um, but anyway, so they helped me with the copy and everything. We pulled in like almost like I think just a couple hundred dollars short of twenty thousand dollars in a month, uh, which was really, really cool. It was one of those overnight success stories you read about, right? Right. I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. me. I'm doing it. This is great. This is such fast money. And then after that first month, you realize it's not so fast money. <laughs> you realize after that first month, you're like, we had a great month, and what the hell are we going to do this upcoming month? Because I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that much this month. And uh, it, it's really inconsistent if you don't have a, a back-end system set up. And uh, the only way you get a back-end system set up is you build a list big enough where it makes sense to have a back-end system set up. Right. And uh, at the time, I just didn't have a list, you know. And uh, so I, I, I've been doing it for a while. And, you know, it's one of those things for me, it's, it's residual income as in, you know, if I have a program, I really think, because I have a mainly a fit pro list, uh, right. although I did do a program called Lean in 17 that was an end-user product. It did pretty well. Uh, you know, we made about eight or $9,000 on it the first month launch. But um, in terms of things like my list is primarily fit pros, people who are listening to this call. And, uh, you know, if I have something that fit pros I feel will really truly benefit from, uh, you know, like I just promoted Jeff Sherman's fit client software, and uh, I personally use it. So if it's like if it's something I'm personally using, I see great benefit from, it's made me money, I feel like I owe it to my, my list of fitness professionals to say, hey, guys, here's what I'm using, here's how much money it brought me in, here's how many people it helped, you may want to check it out. And uh, so for me, it's more or less like if I have something that I feel like the fit pros can benefit from, I will promote it to them, but I'm not going to waste their time and just mail them something to make money because I have a gym that makes me money at this point, right? So for me, it's more or less like, you know, I'll mail out if I feel like it's something that will really truly help my list. And yeah, I'll make a little bit of money on the side because that's really cool. That's what it's about. It's about making money with your friends and helping people fix problems. Uh, But, you know, and I'll be honest, like, Online marketing, it paid for my fiance's engagement ring. It really did. You know, it gave me the the eight thousand dollars I needed to get those rings because they are not cheap, man. They get you in the store, they're like, oh yeah, the ring's only twenty two hundred. But like, that's not bad. They're like, but yeah, that diamond doesn't come with it. That diamond's like six thousand, and I'm like, what? I am in the wrong business, man. But anyway. So online sales hey. definitely, it's like when I need money, I can get money with my online marketing stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, the whole reason why I'm doing the online stuff is because I've been doing the offline stuff and trial and erring things so that I can help the other people online. So I feel like, you know, if you're going online to make money and strictly make money, there's ways to do it. But, you know, don't do it for just that reason. If you're going online because you have a thing that can help people lose weight or you have a program that can help fit pros make more money, then you're, you're going into it for the right reasons. If you're going into it to become rich, there's other markets you can go into to become really rich. Fitness is not one of them. People, excuse me, that was my dog yawning. Yep. Uh, <laughs> my 90-pound dog of love. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going into it to make money and strictly make money, Go into a different market, you know, go into Forex, you know, foreign exchange, go into online dating, go into all these other markets that, that it's strictly there to make money because the fitness industry as a whole, there's so many people who are just in it to make money at this point and yeah. people see through the BS, man. They really see through it fast. They see through it in your emails and in your videos 
So just don't be that person. You know, if you're doing online to just make money, stick with your offline and just get more clients. You know, it's the better way to make more money than it is right. to go online and, and piss a whole bunch of people off, and it's just not good. I mean, it, it is what it is. You're always going to piss people off online. But my yeah. point is, is, go into it with good intentions, and you'll always be rewarded. Totally agree. When are you, when are you, uh, when are you getting married? I'm getting married next September, uh, next September 25th, and that is another circus of a parade that uh, I had no idea was I'm that much work involved in. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you, you got to keep growing that business, man. I just had my 10 year anniversary on Saturday, and and you got I got oh. I bought her more jewelry. So see, oh, you, you it's not rings. You got you got to keep investing here. So you're it's just like getting you're started. Them to stay with you for another 10 years. You know, like hey, here's some more shiny stuff. Please stay. Please stay. <laughs> well, after hey, you, putting them through a fitness business, you have to, you know, after making yeah, exactly. live through that process. <laughs> and, and I've been blessed, you know. She's really she works in the medical field, so she understands, you know, about helping people and everything. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you know you have to help enough people to get what you want. But I always tell people charge what you're worth. You know, whether it's online or offline, you have a family and you have things, you know, you need to support too. And so don't ever feel like what you're doing isn't worth money. If it requires time, it's worth money. And always charge what you're worth, you know. And, I, again, referencing Dan Kennedy, read that No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs book that Dan Kennedy put out. He really breaks down the formula to figure out how much you're really worth. And it's amazing when you figure out how much you're really worth, how many things you stop doing, and how many other things you put more effort into. Hmm. So really, really find how much you're worth per hour and really charge what you're worth because, like Justin and I just said, you know, you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids, you have all these things, and it requires money to live. And if you help enough people get what they want, you always get what you want, Zig Ziglar. You know what I mean? And so you should always be paid to help people. So if you're doing it to help people, you will always become very, very wealthy in a lot of ways. But if you're doing it to get rich, there's other ways to do it. Yep. Very, very good. I agree. Brian, what's the uh, the biggest mistake you see trainers make? I'm sure you have, you know, you see trainers in your business that you're hiring, but maybe other ones that are your your, you know, on your list or wanting to get started in this game and they maybe they buy one of your products and they want to get going. What's a what's a common mistake or the biggest mistakes you see them making? Biggest mistake, number one biggest mistake, and I'm really serious when I say this because I've made it. I think we've all made it. You probably made it too. Information diarrhea is what I call it. <laughs> Essentially, it's too much information being thrown at you, and you feel you just need the next best piece of information, and that's what's going to make it for your business. And you get so obsessed with hoarding and collecting this, this diarrhea overload of information, you don't apply what you've already got. So I, I guess the biggest mistake would be lack of application. People aren't applying what they've paid money to learn. They just keep wanting to learn more, and then you become more essentially a college professor but don't have a resume to prove it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you've memorized these informations. You know, you know, you memorize the information. You have these systems. You know all these things. You know what you should be doing, but you're just not doing it. And I guess for me and a lot of other people, the biggest mistake is they're not applying what they spent all that money buying in the first place. They're just trying to find the next best thing, and they're not staying around and applying it long enough to actually get big results from it. And uh, I made the mistake, and I actually stopped buying info products for a little bit, 
and uh, I actually stopped going to a few of the fitness events that I normally went to because it was just more information, and I realized I was actually making more money staying at home and applying the information I already paid for to the fullest and then applying it even more and refining it and reapplying it than I was spending money going out to these places, learning more information that was just going to get written in a notebook, thrown in the closet, never read again. So I guess the biggest thing is don't be a collector of information, be an applier of information. Go to a fitness summit, great. Buy an info product, fantastic. But apply it long enough to make your make at least five times what you paid for it back and then get your next piece of information. You know what I'm saying? Because there's just too much information anymore and it's just an overload. And I always tell people it's no longer the person with the most information makes the most money, it's the person who applies it the fastest. It's the speed of application are the people who make the most money. So stop trying to get more information. Apply what you already know kind of works. Just apply it more, apply it harder, and do it more frequently, and you will get more money to buy more information with and to get better. But earn your steps. Don't just try to skip steps and keep trying to jump to the top. I want to be Bedros today. It's not going to happen. Bedros failed miserably for 13 years before he got to where he was. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you have to earn exactly like he has to earn. Buy a book, read it, completely and totally apply every piece of information you got from it, even if it's only three pieces of information, and then move on to the next book, and then move on to the next product, or go to the next summit. But if you go to, like, Fitness Business Summit, or, like, my favorite, the Turbulence Training Summit every year, that's great, because it gives you a year to apply everything you just learned, and then next year when you see everybody – you should be brushing elbows and telling them about all the information you applied from the previous year and how much money it made and how many people are getting results from it. Not about, yeah, you know, I'm coming back. It was great information last year. Okay, well, what did you get from it? Well, you know, what, did, what results did you see from it? Well, uh, it made things easier, and I really liked it. Okay, well, that was like a two-year-old answer. Like, where's your metrics? Where's your numbers? <laughs> where's your proof? And people can't prove it. They just have these theories and this information without application, and it's just, Information and information not applied is worthless. So stop reading the next best thing. Stop doing all this stuff. Just do what you know works right now and then move on to the next piece. I'm not saying stop learning. Always learn. But learn more or less. Learn how to sell better. Learn how to become a better trainer. Stop trying to figure out new miracle systems that are going to change your business. Change comes from slow baby steps applied over time. You know what I'm saying? So my, my, I guess my point is is always keep learning and reading and, you know, buying these things, but make sure you're applying them. Always make sure you're applying them because if you don't apply them, you are just spending more than you're making, and that's just bad business. That, didn't some of that come from Dan Kennedy? I know that he was an influence of yours through his books. I, didn't he say something like, hey, you want the next marketing idea, but you haven't even mastered the one that I already gave yeah, you? Yeah, that's say, exactly that him what that he said. said. Yeah, yeah something like that. You always want the next yeah. best thing, but you haven't done anything with what we gave you in the first place. And I, I kind of stepped back when I kind of had a – Bedros and Craig kind of had a come-to-Jesus email with me. I don't know if you've ever gotten one of those from a coach. But, uh, <laughs> you know, those people that show up on your porch, like, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. You know, I <laughs> feel like yeah. it's a yeah. real serious talk. You know what I mean? And uh, so I had a come-to-Jesus talk with Bedros and Craig, and I was like, guys, I'm frustrated, I'm stuck, blah, blah, blah. And they pretty much, they, they roundhouse kicked me back to my spot that I needed to hear. They told me what I needed to hear. And it was more or less like, stop trying to do the next best 
thing, the next, try to just go back to mastering what you do and be the best at it. Then you can start worrying about what you're going to do next. But you haven't even mastered what you're doing yet. Why are you trying to move on to the next step? You know what I mean? Learn how to write better sales copy before you try to make a bigger product. You already made a product. You already have a program. Learn how to sell it better before you make a new one. The problem isn't necessarily the program or your, you know, your, or your business. The problem is how you've been selling it to people. I mean, mm. let's face it. You know, yep. Six Minutes to Skinny, Craig's new program that he launched, all he did was he took Home Workout Revolution, the same workouts we filmed for it, he reformatted and reprogrammed the workout and put a better marketing message on it. And he sold way more of it. So what does that really tell you? The big guns aren't necessarily creating new stuff. They're just going and they're learning how to sell it better and how to help more people with it. That's really what they're doing. They're mastering the basics of sales and training. They're not going and reinventing the wheel. And I think that was a real big wake-up call for me. I needed to get better at writing copy. I needed to get better at selling. And I thought, and I'm a pretty decent seller. My close rate is 92% close monthly on average. I close relatively well, but it's that 8% that's pissing me off. i got to learn how to get into the heads of that 8%, and I'm not going to stop until I do. So I guess don't get complacent. You know, Always want to get better at the basics that made you who you are in the first place. If you're the best at fitness games, then you better be using those in your sessions and using that to amplify that sales process to get more people in. You know, if you're the best at fat loss in your area, you better have social proof all over the place and never stop getting it. You know, become the best at the basics and become the best at what you're known for before you even think about jumping ship and getting the next best thing. Because we all have shiny object syndrome nowadays in the fitness industry where we're looking for the next best thing, the next biggest idea, the next big break. What's my ne- my new program going to be that's going to help all these problems? But you just made a program that sold maybe 100 copies or you just made a program that yeah maybe 50 members in and you're completely jumping ship to start something new from scratch. Stop trying to start something new. You already put the time and sacrifice into the one thing. Make that one thing better and sell way more of it. And it's going to be less work and better sell and better retention because you've put in the time, you know it works, and you're working the bugs out to make it better. So stop trying to do 10,000 things. Focus on the, the one to three things that really make you the most money you've put the most time into and that are going to help the most people. That's awesome. Hey, Georgette, do you have any other questions for Brian? We're, we're, uh, we're running out of time. Gosh, this has been awesome. I mean, we could do this for another three hours, but uh, any other questions for him? Um, no, but I, I really actually didn't really realize. I liked what you said because you, um, you said that you were more concentrating now on your offline business, which you found was your real oh, passion, let's say. Is that correct? Yeah. And not so yeah. much the online um, info product um, world. And that was your decision based on your <laughs> your own goals and passions. Yeah, so, and it's still, it's still there. You know, I still enjoy it, like I said, but for more or less for me right now, it's like if I have something I want to help them with, then yeah, I'll mail out for it. I'm not like, I mean, you get the big guys like Sean Hazel and Bedros and stuff. I mean, that's what they do. That's all they do. You know what I'm saying? And they are fantastic at it. But I've been really blessed with a beautiful facility and a beautiful program uh, that works and that's really helping a lot of people locally. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely put a little more focus on that. Now, it may shift as it gets bigger. 
as you know, I open maybe a second location, as that shifts around, uh, oh. I may get a little more back into the online heavily uh, because, you know, journeys change and paths get diverted. But uh, right now I am laser-focused on the offline, and it's showing because the numbers are coming up, the members are getting more results, and my staff is fired up. I mean, it's just it's really good, the results we've been getting. So. Right, and, let, and let's face it, I think that's what the majority of trainers are are looking for help with is, you know, the their offline business. Yeah. The online thing could be a little bit of an of a shiny object syndrome. In, oh, it in is. A, you know, <laughs> you you know the, this. You know, you could be a millionaire with an info product. Absolutely. You know, know that that's BS. But it yeah. has happened. Yes, it has happened. But what are the is the likelihood of it happening? There, no. It, you know, I wouldn't put any money on it. Let me put it to you that way. I wouldn't bet on it. But, you know, um, you almost have to work harder on the online world because so. offline you're physically a real person. Offline you are just another person trying to sell them garbage. You know what I'm saying? In their eyes. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to build a lot more trust online nowadays, and you have to be very genuine to really make it online. You can do it. But you really have to know systems. You really have to have a good coach who's been there doing it and done it and still doing it. And you really have to put a lot of work into building an empire online for it to be profitable monthly. The one advantage I will say offline is it's a physical business. If I wanted to sell it for money, I could. It's a lot harder to sell an online business when you're the face of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and also it's easier to predict income with an offline business because I have people paying me monthly. Whereas right. in online business, you have to have some type of continuity program or a coaching program or something that gives you that monthly money because you can't really rely off front-end sales every month because they're really, really sporadic. No, so just know the, real, the reality of what you're getting into if you want to take the online path. I'm not saying don't do it. A lot of people make a great living doing it. Just know the reality of it. You have to have... You have to be an amazing copywriter, and that's something you can develop with time, like Mike Whitfield's done. You have to have an amazing personality in emails. You have to deliver great content. You have to be a problem solver. And more importantly, like you really have to realize what an online funnel really is. You have to know how to sell. You have to know what front-end sales are, what a continuity program is, how to set it up. You have to really know the ins and outs of online stuff to really make a lot of money doing it. not saying don't jump in the game until you know that because you and I both know the best way to learn is to jump in the trenches and just start doing it. But by all means, if you're going to do it, get a good coach. You know, Craig and Bedros are phenomenal coaches. Ryan Dice knows his stuff too. I mean, there's a lot of really good names online that are really doing great things. But if you're going to do the online stuff, make sure you get a coach who's been there, done it, and still doing it or else you're really going to fail. It's really going to cost you a lot of money and you're not going to have money to grow your business with and it's just going to fail. So, uh, you know, when in doubt, if you're a trainer and you're on the fence, just stick to the offline. Master that before you go over to the online stuff. You know, master your offline before you go to online is what I would tell people. And I actually so, think online should be a supplement to income, you know, in a, in a sense, in, instead of in being... In a sense, yeah. Like I said, either all in, if you if you make it your primary, you have to be all in. You have you to know, be all in. Not, it's another revenue stream. And if you're yeah. looking at it as a, just another revenue stream, then that's okay. Because then it yeah, can absolutely. be... Absolutely. Yeah. So, Brian, um, what is it, what's a good way to get a hold of you if, if, if I'm a trainer out there and I'm listening to this and I want to know more about Brian and what, he's, what he has, what, what he has to offer me to help me in, in, in fitness and my business? What, what's, uh, what's the best way to get, get a hold of you? 
website? Well, um, or? right now, right now, the best way is my blog, fitnessgametraining.com. That's like my fit pro site. Uh, I am working on a personal blog, briancalakay.com. That's K-A-L-A-K-A-Y, Calakay. Uh, Brian with an I, too. I'm not a surfer, Brian, so there's no Y in my name. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so I'm working on a personal blog right now, but it'll be more of a hybrid of, uh, like, mindset and fitness versus just fit pro stuff. So if you're looking for just fit pro stuff, uh, if you go to the briancalakay.com, you'll see a tab that says fit pros. It will take you to fitnessgametraining.com. So if you are a fit pro, fitnessgametraining.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Or, of course, like everyone, feel free to friend me on Facebook, ask me questions. I help tons of people out every day if they have questions. I am not an all-knowing guru, but I will tell you I am an exponential learner. I learn from people who are learning. So if I don't know something and you ask, I will make sure I get you in touch with the person who does. So if you need anything, reach out to me on Facebook or reach out to me on my blog. And that's okay because we are all-knowing gurus, so if you can't help them, then we'll just help them out. But <laughs> seriously, though, we are going to put uh, – I know Georgette's going to put some of your stuff on the fitnessbootcampclub.com. I think she's going to put sure. up a link. If she hasn't already, she probably already has, but um, pro, uh, like, to your turbulence. I don't turbulence know if she has. I haven't sent her the link. I've been, uh, I've been running behind on it. It's my fault. She's probably mad at me for it, but I'm not. <laughs> Uh, I did it to you, Georgia. <laughs> hey, I'm smarter than you, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. You are in the guru, man. I'm not going to challenge it. <laughs> well, Brian, you know, we really, uh, really appreciated having you on today on, on the uh, podcast. I just want to thank you for your time, man, and this was really valuable. I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to get a lot of value out of it, and I, I would love to do a follow-up after you uh, get married, after you open yeah. up another location and figure out where you're at in a couple of years. It'd be really cool to do a follow-up with you. Oh, I'm definitely down with that. You guys are a lot of fun. I'd love to do this again. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, and I'm going to just have the last word real quick here. Uh, Georgette, thank you for uh, for um, getting all this started. We love it. Brian, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you're listening in right now, go to the fitnessbootcampclub.com. Uh, check out the links that we'll put up there, uh, you know, to talk about all the cool stuff Brian has for you. And uh, you guys have a terrific week. Thank you.